Well, hello everyone and welcome to the latest edition of the Kings of Anglia podcast. Do not adjust your sets. It is me, Stuart Watson, in the host's chair today. A bit of a change because Mark Heath is away and I wasn't at the game on Saturday. I didn't go to Bolton because it was my birthday and I decided that I didn't really want to stay in a hotel in Bolton on my birthday night. So uh, I skived it, I had it off and... Uh, Andy Warren and Ross Halls were, were the men up there. So today they will be the guys doing the heavy lifting and I'll be the one in the host chair. Ross, this is an early shout for you to please mute in between your talking because uh, you tap your foot quite audibly, mm. young man. So there's your first ticking off from the host. That's the sort of power I now get. Um, before we go to you, Ross, let's go across to Andy, who's to my right for those watching. How are you, my friend? How was your journey to Lancashire mate, on mate, I'm loving this. Absolutely loving Stern Watson in the schoolmaster's chair, laying down the law. Uh, got the discipline that Heath lacks in uh, in getting Ross in his place because can't stay still, can't stop tapping his foot. You sort him out, mate. This is this is great news. How how was how was Bolton? Uh, it was great without you being there. Um, it's what we've been waiting for all season. Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, I I missed you. Missed you greatly. Um, but I have a confession to make. I, we're probably not going to jump straight into the Bolton chat straight away, but I, I need to make a confession and get this off my chest really early. I, I know why they lost. You didn't wear the trainers, did you? Didn't wear the trainers. There we go. They're not comfortable enough for driving. They're, they're a bit too firm. They're kind of like a bit leathery, a bit booty. For driving, I wore some more comfortable shoes because I, I I did all the driving, and um, ultimately that's probably why they've come undone, isn't it? Well, there we go. Get your. I wouldn't condone any sort of message. Hate mail would probably be quite strong, but I wouldn't condone anyone sending any messages at all blaming the defeat on Andy and the Kieran McKenna rain coming to a grinding halt because you didn't wear the lucky trainers, and we did tell you to. So there we go. Okay, Diner on the way before we move on to the serious stuff. Always the same. Yep. Um, I don't think we haven't done that for a little while, but our photographer Warren in the back of the car would not allow that not to happen. He's uh, he's very vocal, isn't he? As you well know, um, if he doesn't get his second breakfast between the hours of 10 a.m. and 11.30 a.m. on the on the way up the A1, um, it's going to be a bad day. So, yeah, we did uh, we did pull over, didn't we, Russ? Yeah, we did. Um, but it is what it is. I had a nice breakfast. Although I needed a little little number two on the way oh, uh, by the Bolton. <laughs> yeah, almost immediately afterwards. Um, <laughs> yeah. So connect those two things if you want. That's fine. Yeah. Excellent. I'm going to just move on from that quite quickly. Pretend, <laughs> pretend that never happened. Um, before we get on to the chat about the football and the Bolton game, um, Let's let's get on to what Mark Heath would call the sexy stuff, transfer stuff. That's what you're here for. And we've had a little bit of a, a transfer update this morning from your good self, Andy. Um, Christian Walton, we wondered whether that would be uh, the goodbye performance from him at Bolton, whether his time at Ipswich would be bookended by defeats to Bolton Wanderers. But uh, it sounds like Ipswich Town are going to uh, keep their man. What's the latest on that, please? Yeah, it looks um it looks like that is that is as good as a done deal at the time of time of recording. Um they're getting close now, I, I believe as we're speaking. I think uh they're on the uh, the relevant parties are on their way to to training grounds to do medicals and and things. So um it does look like they're going to get their man. Um he his contract was up at Brighton in the summer. They'd called him back. We we know that he was he was due back at Brighton. This morning, um, that's not happened. He stayed with Ipswich and uh, it's going to be a, a permanent deal, probably a, a two and a half year permanent deal with an option, um, which will make him a, a full-time Ipswich player. Um, I doubt it. I Honestly, I doubted whether this deal would get done. I think the loan, there was no real chance that he'd be back here to complete his loan for the season. I think it was a permanent deal or nothing. And um Thankfully, it's the permanent deal rather than the nothing that's ended up being done. A few other clubs sniffing around him as well. I saw there was some talk of Luton over the weekend in, in the national media. Yeah, um, 
yeah, there was an interest from Luton, but I, I, I don't think it was ever anything sort of supremely concrete. I don't think anything from the championship for Christian was supremely concrete in this window in, in that all of those were, had kind of lodged their interest at a time where if this guy, if we move on our number, if this goalkeeper moves on, Christian would be who we would turn to. Would you be interested? The answer would obviously, I guess, have been yes from Christian's point of view because it's championship football, but those moves were never there. He's always been very, very keen on, um, on Ipswich, um, that, uh, that's where the strong interest has been. That's where Christian's interest has been. And I think um, obviously it's going to come at a time where he, he's going to need to to be, be taking a, a cut from the, the Premier League salary that he's on. That's kind of not manageable for Ipswich in League One. But at the same time, he's been suitably impressed with what, um, what everyone can offer at Ipswich from McKenna. Um they like he likes him. He he's liked how he's worked. He likes working with with Rene Gilmartin, the the goalkeeping coach who he's known for a long time since their Plymouth days. And he can see, I think, a a good direction of travel for Ipswich, which which would suit him at a time where he's trying to find a new home after years and years of loan after loan after loan. Um so I think it is just it's just worked out well for everybody, I think. Good signing Ross. Happy with this one? We've finally done it, haven't we? We've finally signed a lone player. It doesn't happen that often, and it shows how you know the club have, have moved on from you know bringing in lone players and knowing they're not, they're going to go back to their parent club. But um, yeah, fantastic signing. I know Town fans will be over the moon because they were a bit worried Walton was going to go back to Brighton, and um, then well, we'll be back to square one really. But mm. um, no, fantastic statement from the club. Great signing. And um, as Andy said, I'm, I'm sure Walton is so happy as well because he's going to finally found a home instead of all these loan spells out. He's finally able to now settle down. He's at an age now as a goalkeeper. He wants to play regularly and that's what he'll get out of town. So mm. happy days. 26 years of age. If this was Soccer AM in the days where they'd bring out the Soccer AM girl and announce her age, you get good age. Good age. From the background. <laughs> you cut. You wouldn't you wouldn't be able to do that feature these days, would no. you? But yeah, no, 26, 26 years old, as you say, for a goalkeeper, um, plenty of time to improve. I think Kieran McKenna's talked about, you know, he's had discussions with him in terms of there are things that he can add to his game, but he's certainly a player that Ipswich Town could carry uh, into the championship if and when we hope they get promoted because he's someone who's, who's played plenty of second tier football already so not a done deal yet as we speak around midday on Monday but uh, fully expecting that one to happen um let's rewind slightly then to to the 90 minutes on on Saturday and um yeah Christian Walton I guess from his individual perspective will, will be a little bit disappointed with, with the opening goal for Bolton and we talked about Andy cursing the game with his lack of trainers. I think I may have played my part as well because we did a big feature interview with George Edmondson last week. <laughs> uh, everyone sort of uh, very excited about about George and his form, and he goes and uh, gifts the second goal with it with a criminally underhit back pass. So two nil, two late goals. But I looked at the uh, the stats, Andy, from afar, and I've only seen the stats and the the highlights and everything you've you've written. Um, but 64% possession away from home for Ipswich, 14 shots compared to Bolton's eight, 12 corners to their five. That suggests it, it wasn't a bad performance. And I think Kieran McKenna him, himself said that there was a lot that he was he's pleased about. But um, lots of possession without without loads of chances. It sounds a bit to me like the Sunderland game away. Is that a fair comparison? Yeah, I think that's a, that's a really good comparison. Um this wasn't a this wasn't like the five two and I'm going to call it a shellacking because uh, I think that's probably what Mark would have would have called it um, that Bolton gave to Ipswich at Portman Road in September. It wasn't like Accrington or at Charlton where uh, the, you were worried that they were outfought and outplayed. It wasn't like that, and it wasn't like Rotherham where they were just completely outdone by by a better team, not in the slightest. It was. It, but it was a game where they didn't create enough. They had a lot of possession, not always with the right purpose. Um, but but I think kind of the reaction to this game, which I know a lot of people were very, very frustrated with the performance in this. I, I was too. It was, But I think a lot of that is probably framed by just how how positive we all felt going into the game because of what's happened in the two matches 
previously under McKenna. The first 20 minutes helped that as well. They were they were really good on the front foot. Um, lots of ball for, for Morsi and Aluko in those 15, 20 minutes at the start, getting up to the edge of the box and threatening. But it, it faded away. And the, the final 20, 25 minutes of the first half, I really felt like they were holding on against Bolton. They were being pulled around a bit. Um, and... And Bolton were finding gaps in, in the Ipswich defence, which we haven't seen in, in previous games. So there were there were concerns there. Um, they they got back on the front foot again in the second half. Um, had a bit had more of the ball in 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 higher areas up the pitch. But in terms of the two strikers, Bon and Norwood on the pitch, neither of them had a sniff in open play. Lots of effort, so much hard work in in closing down the Bolton press. But um, in terms of goal scoring opportunities, they didn't they didn't have a sniff between them and. Um, I guess the frustrating thing is when you get to the stage of the game, 74 minutes or whatever it was, um, nil-nil away from home, that's a real platform to go on and get something. But instead, they, they've conceded two silly goals and um, and, and come away come away with nothing. Not, not a disaster uh, in terms of a performance and a loss, but I guess given what's gone before, um, a real disappointment and maybe just a reminder that this is why Ipswich are where they are in the League One table, um, r- rather than being right in the thick of it for promotion. I was following your tweets, and you, and you said that there was maybe a sense of frustration creeping into the the body language of the players that things were getting a little bit clogged up at times. And th- could you sense that on the sidelines, Ross? You're nearest to the action. Was was there a sense of sort of growing frustration as, as the game wore on? Yeah, like as you know, I always look out for my boy Macaulay Bond, but he was just frustrated that he wasn't getting the balls. Norwood as well was like pointing to players like over here, over here, instead of you know there. Um, I felt the players looked a bit lethargic, really. They looked knackered. Like Wes Burns looked knackered, um, you know, at the end of the first half. Um, of course, he's just come back from a, a little injury, hasn't he? But yeah, a lot of frustrated faces out there. And yeah, we'll get on to the Edmondson goal, but yeah, that was a very one of his poorest games in a town shirt. And yeah, I think we have maybe jinxed him because he did an interview with us, but good interview. If you haven't listened to it, listen to it back. Yeah, still listen to that, please, if, <laughs> if, if you can. Um, it's interesting you mentioned Wes Burns, Ross. It, it, when, Wes, Wes, when Wes Burns is at it, Ipswich's best performance and the, and the goals have flowed, is, is, is that a Saturday a reminder of sort of how vital his pace and directness is Ipswich can be on it as a team, but you need that. He brings a different quality to the team, doesn't he? And and without that sort of balance on, on the other side, somebody that can do that, if he's off it, Ipswich lose something, don't they? Yeah. I I think both from both sides, both, both flanks, you, you struggle to see those Ipswich players get past their man and, and whip anything in. We know that Wes Burns likes to square up a man one-on-one beat him and then whip in across, in his own words, as hard as he possibly can to the far post for Bond to try and tap it in. And the, the opportunities for that weren't there. There was one Wes Burden's moment that kind of summed up his game for me, which is, I think it was towards the end of the first half, Ipswich were breaking and Burns had that man in, in front of him. And we're so used to seeing him knock the ball past and burn his way past him. But he, 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 he just ran into him. He kind of played the ball into his man and ran into him and, that kind of summed up his his day. The same with Matt Penny on the left. He 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 got into some decent positions, but he could never make space for himself to cross um, from deeper. Which obviously Burns is a byline crosser, but but Penny wanted to cross from a bit deeper and and just couldn't get that space to get a, a cross off into the box, which is obviously a supply line that that Norwood in particular and, and Bon um, both like. Mm. How much was this down to Bolton? We 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 quite often put our blue tinted spectacles on when we look at a game. I know Bolton were in were in a poor run of form, five straight defeats, but we'd seen earlier in the season that they can be a decent side on their game. And Kieran McKenna had talked about this being a, a different test, a, a team obviously we've we've now had Wickham and Gillingham who are very direct and physical sides. Bolton are more of a footballing side. And it sounds like they they maybe changed shape a little bit to to deal with it, which they're normally four, two, three, one. This would this was a back three, was it? And um Maybe Ipswich are losing a little bit of the surprise factor under McKenna. I think Gareth Ainsworth talked about not knowing what to expect from Ipswich. Well, you know, they've had a couple of games to to analyse and look at Ipswich, what, what, what they were going to do. Um, talk me through tactically how this game played out. 
So yeah, you could call it back three, call it a back five, which I think that if you if we call it a back five for a moment, that would kind of explain why Burns had things a little tougher. Um, because um in terms of the full the fullbacks played played well for Bolton, I, I thought be it as a five or pushed forward a bit more. Um that wasn't what Ipswich were necessarily expecting. Ian Everett's been a four-two-three one man almost as kind of strictly as as Paul Cook was a four-two-three one man. So there's maybe a bit of a surprise there. Ipswich were in a we're in a three the three-four-three, but the version of it which had Aluko dropping off a bit more earlier on. But it, it seemed to me in the second half it was hard to tell at times because the game was getting stretched. But it looked to me like they'd kind of pushed Aluko up into a wider role, Norwood into a wider role to almost match up man for man, three v three at the at the back, three centre halves against against three um, three Ipswich attackers. Which uh, it, it, by that by that point, it, that's when it started to get clogged. Uh, I thought um, there's one passage of play in particular where I think Sam Morsi had fair amount of the ball down the right side and he had four or five Ipswich players within like three or four yards of him and Bolt, the, the same number of Bolton players as well, obviously, to, to to deal with that situation. It was just so clogged that Morsi didn't have a pass available to him and that's a lot of possession. They did, they're did they very good at keeping the ball, but they played it into these areas but where there was no room to work burns needs a bit of room to work to be able to use his pace because if you cut, if he hasn't got space to get up and running and knock a ball past or or or, or try and beat a man he that's his game he wasn't able to use it and it, it just all got a little bit clogged up but i think i i agree with mckenna to some extent in in terms of what his assessment of the game they did have the ball in good areas but we haven't talked about the goals yet, but ultimately I would say there was nothing in this game between the two teams aside from the two goals, which ultimately uh, ultimately cost town. Yeah, I think co- concentration levels is what McKenna spoke about afterwards. And um, as you say, I guess if it's, if it's not quite happening for you, then Nick McCarthy phrase, get a point in your pocket and, and get, you know, get back down to Suffolk and, and move on, and that would have kept the uh, the unbeaten start going under McKenna. Um, but instead, it's it's two poor goals conceded. Um, thoughts on on the Walton push into a dangerous area. Thoughts on the Edmonton back pass. There's probably not a lot to be said about the latter. I guess there's a bit more debate about about Walton and the opener. I don't think it's as bad as it looks. I think it's just it's one of those shots where. Where else is he gonna palm it to? Really, I just I don't know. It's just one of those. And Walton has been he had some great in the first half. Andy he made some fantastic mm. saves, keep us still nil nil. And it's just one of those moments where a shot and he just palms away over there. And unfortunately, a Bolton player's there to smack it home. So yeah, it's just one of those goals that can happen. But um, yeah, Walton had a, a fantastic first half and. Walton and Emerson both probably don't like playing against Bolton because, of course, their debuts, they conceded five goals. So, uh, yeah, it's just typical town, really, isn't it? Playing against a team out of form, new manager bounce, but same old Ipswich with a new manager. They still like to give three points away to teams who are out of form, but typical Ipswich. It does feel like that, doesn't it? A bit. So we're also, we've talked about this such a, such a lot, that we're also sort of emotionally scarred from following Ipswich, that there's this sense of, oh, yeah, typical Ipswich, we play someone out of form and, and of course they win. I mean, they played a Gillingham side that were woefully out of form and they, they yeah. thrashed them 4-0 last week, the previous week. So let, let's not forget that. But it does just feel... Deflating is the word, isn't it? Yeah. It's just you never get any kind of... You can't really get any momentum going in terms of excitement. It's This is just like backing October when Ipswich beat Portsmouth 4-0 on the road. They got the last-minute winner against Fleetwood. And then they went to Plymouth and lost a okay even game. Well, in that, lots to like, but ultimately they lost it, and and that's kind of what's happened here again, isn't it? And and what it means is there's still eight points off the playoffs. They're still eleventh, so that feels a bit like a missed opportunity that you could have really cut that gap. And yes, there's still a lot of points to play for. Yes, teams, someone always comes flying up the table in the second half of the season. Bolton, I guess, are the poster boys for that in the way they got promoted from League Two last year. But there's teams with games in hand above. There's a lot of traffic there, isn't there? Portsmouth have got a ninth. They've got two games in hand. Sheffield Wednesday in eighth have got a game in hand. Plymouth in sixth have got a game in hand as well. So 
at some point, Ipswich will have to win three games in a row, and that's not happened very often. Um, so, how, how are you feeling about the bigger picture at the moment? Has McKenna got too much to do here in, in a short space of time, or or have we seen enough to to keep the faith and believe that this season has, has still got life in it? I think if we'd, you know, when we were discussing that at the time of his appointment or heading into his first game, we we acknowledged just how ridiculously big the job is from this point to to get it done. Um, I spoke to Lee Evans after the game, um, who who said we've played three games under him and taken six points from those games. If they repeat that over the twenty remaining games, that will take them to seventy five. If it takes two two wins in every three games, takes them to seventy five, which should, all things being equal, be enough for a playoff place. Not locked in, but should be enough. But to win two of out of every three games is a pretty big ask for a team that for a team that just hasn't done that. That's a remarkable new level of consistency which needs to be found under a new manager. Um, the the goals conceded in this one reminded me a little bit of some of some of the particularly the first one some of the issues that we've had here previously and and you can't just eradicate them immediately what Walton I, I Walton planted his foot to the left and was heading left um and then was a bit unsighted and went right but the big thing with that goal for me was just how slack Ipswich were in following up for the rebound rather than that itself and and that's like a lack of defensive movement has been something that's worried me about Ipswich for at, at times. You can't just eradicate that immediately if you're a new manager. He's got a big job to do. It's ma- it's mathematically possible, of course it is, and we know they can win. We know they can beat anybody in this league. We know they can, but can they do it consistently enough? And there's not enough evidence to suggest that this group of players can do that at the moment. I've got faith in McKenna. I've, I'm not shaken in my belief in McKenna in the slightest by by this result. Um, I think he'll learn a lot from this, probably more from this than he has the other two games, but it's just the size of the task that he was given at, at the very start um, of his reign. It's, it's not got any smaller um, and that level of consistency is just so far away for them. It's it's, it's a big ask, isn't it? I'm, I'm not being too negative there, am I? It's, it's a huge ask. It always was, and, and maybe if we're putting a positive spin on this, that, that having this bump in the road, the first bump in the road, sooner rather than later could be a blessing in disguise. Just we, How many times have we said this? Yeah, it's <laughs> good. We'll, we'll just keep us all grounded, keep our feet on the floor and put a bit of focus back in the boys. But maybe I'm grasping at straws there. Maybe he'll be able to learn a bit from this. And, and the way that McKenna talks in such a calm and measured manner after a defeat kind of reassures all of us looking from the outside in, doesn't it? That it's not just, you know, that quite often with Paul Cook, it was just pure passion and we wouldn't get sort of loads of tactical dissection of the game. It's, you know, this hurts, this really hurts. We have to feel the pain. We have to go away and be better. And in McKenna's sort of assessment, you, you hear maybe there's some solutions on the horizon and you feel that they will go away and, and analyse the hell out of this game and and, uh, and be able to to maybe improve from it next time out. I, I don't know, but uh, maybe I'm maybe I'm looking for a positive where, there, where there's not there. But um, what is a positive, and we'll move on from the game here uh, through a smoothest of segues, is Macaulay Bond. He's going to be here as, a, as an Ipswich Town player for the remainder of this season, now I'm, I'm intrigued by this one. It seems like there's an agreement that's been reached with QPR, which suggests that there was a recall clause in there and there was a very real danger of that recall clause being triggered. And Macaulay Bond himself, in an interview, has admitted it was not easy keeping me here and that the discussions went backwards and forwards for, for a long period of time. Being brutally honest, there were offers on the table that for some players might have turned their head. I won't lie to you, they were a bit tempting, he says, but I couldn't see myself playing football anywhere else this season. I'm not going to jump ship halfway through a season. That's not the sort of guy I am. I'm here to uh, finish the job and try and get Ipswich Town promoted. So what do we make of those quotes there and uh, the nature of 
of this deal. Great that he's staying, but does that feel you more or less confident that he'll be an Ipswich player beyond the end of this season? What what are your thoughts, lads? Well, I think it depends which league we're in. That is my feeling on it because, of course, Macaulay Bond wants to be playing championship football. You know, he he signed, that's why he signed for QPR probably because Charlton got relegated um, to League One and Macaulay Bond wanted to play championship football. I have a feeling QPR probably didn't think he'll be playing so well at town. They probably didn't expect him to score as many goals as he has done. Um, but yeah, of course, McCauley Bond's got to think about his career, his future. I know he loves the football club. And like many other town fans, of course, I'd love to play for the football club. But if you want to play at the top level where you want to play, then sometimes you have to... Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a hard one, really, because... Of course, he's he's living the dream right now, playing for his boyhood club, scoring goals. But does he want to play League One football again for another season? And how long will be in this league? We don't know. Um, so yeah, but no, great news, and uh, hopefully he can help us fire up, fire us up the leagues. But it's gonna be a long old season. Yeah, I kind of QPR QPR are going well, aren't they? In the championship, yeah. they won. Uh, they beat West Brom at the weekend to leapfrog them up to fourth in the table. They've got Lyndon Dykes, Andre Gray, Charlie Austin stepped off the bench and, and scored the winner at the weekend. So, I guess that has helped Ipswich's cause that they're doing well and they've got they've got strikers scoring goals for them. But um, Macaulay Bond, as much as we know how much he loves this football club and loves being here. That I guess maybe from his point of view, that could have almost weakened his negotiating stance and the and the fact that he might it's just a little reminder maybe from him that yes, I love it here, yes, I want to be here, but you know, you don't you can't just have me for, for lower than lower than market value, shall we say. I, I, I don't know. What uh, what's your take on it, Andy? Can you imagine what like we're having this discussion, I, I'm, I'm, I can imagine that in Macaulay's head, that's been a bit of a. He said himself, didn't he, that it's been a bit of a burden while this has been discussed over the last few weeks. I think it is just a reminder about the the whole head head over heart situation. In an ideal world, Macaulay Bond wants to be an Ipswich Town player to score the goals, to take them up to the Championship, and then and then be a, a Championship football player with Ipswich Town. That's scenario A. He wants that, of course, he does. But like Ross said. Does he want to hang around in League One for another season after this, especially when there could be a good championship potential move, maybe even at a club that are right up the top end of League One this season? I know Wigan is one that's been mentioned elsewhere and, and, and understand that there was something there that, was, that they've obviously moved and signed McGuinness, the big Northern Irish striker now. But um, um, could that have been an option for him, to a, a route to the championship? I don't think Macaulay wants to go and live in Wigan, just as an example. Of course he doesn't. He wants to he wants to live in Ipswich. He loves being here. He's got his family here. He's, he has 20, 30 people come to Ipswich games to specifically watch him these days. Um, but it's a, it's his football career. He, he do, he's, he's not... He's not just going to give Ipswich his services for the next 10 years just just because he he loves it here um yeah I, I think maybe i've i and many others have been guilty of thinking you could put anything on the table in front of macaulay bond and the way he speaks so passionately about it he'd sign it but then you take a step back and go he's 25 years of age he's already a decent taste of of the championship and it's that head over heart debate isn't it so um, maybe the fact that he went 10 games without a goal leading into January might have just muddied the water slightly from, from all parties' perspective. I, I don't know. But he's, he's here till the end of the season. That's great. I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how this one pans out. And as, as Ross said at the start, maybe it's dependent on what sort of state Ipswich are in under, under Kieran McKenna come, come May time. So we shall see. So Macaulay Bond stays. Christian Walton stays. But Toto Entiala has gone, gentlemen. He's uh, he's signed for Fleetwood. Um, thoughts on that one? I, I should point out at the very start that Andy and I have already done a fairly comprehensive 20-minute debate around Toto Entiala's time at Ipswich Town and, and his move, but um be remiss of us not to kind of mark that exit here now. Ross, I'll throw it to you because you weren't involved involved in, in that video. Good good move for Toto, and how, how do you reflect on his time? 
Yeah, I think um, he'll be pleased that he's back up in the northeast or northwest. What is it? Northwest? West, yeah. Yes, yeah, northwest, yeah. Um, so he'll be pleased about that. I'm sure he's going to be happy to be closer to his family. Um, and it's been coming, though, hasn't it, really, with Toto? He's had a very strange town career. Um, every summer, we always think, OK, Toto's going to leave. He's still here. And then he has a good preseason, get injured, comes back, does all right. He's, of course, he's had three different managers. Um, but it's been, yeah, it's been a strange and unfortunate career at town for Toto. He's, um, as you mentioned on your, your video and podcast, he has sort of got a cult hero status or I don't know. I don't know what would the right word be. I know what you mean. Yeah, there's certainly yeah. some sort of cult status amongst the fans. Um, but yeah, he's, he's had a bit of a love-hate relationship, I, I would suggest. And I think his his comments in a, in a slightly awkward interview up in, in Lancashire where he, talk, he was asked about how he looked back on his time here and he sort of pulled a bit of a face, long pause and said, mm, some things are best not spoken about. Some people will say it went well. Some people will say it didn't. I mean, he's he's been honest enough to say that um, social media comments have affected him throughout his time. I think he's very much a confidence player. I think when he's been good, he's been very good. And when he's been bad, he's been, he's been poor, hasn't he? And, uh, you know, you, you could go for 10 games and think, yeah, he's pretty decent, solid, commanding League One centre-half. But you always felt that there was a Rick coming. And then when one Rick came, another would follow quite quickly, whether it was a penalty whether it was a slightly awkward slice, whether it was either him sort of just getting frozen on the ball in in possession. And um, ultimately, those are the things that stick in people's minds more than the good games. And he did have good games. I mean, the, he was he was immense in that uh, in that win against Leeds on the final day of the, the championship season when, when Ipswich went down. And, and as you said, Ross, things have gone against him at bad times. And um, Andy and I were there in, in Germany in pre-season where his hamstring just, just pinged with no one around him on the eve of the first season down in, in League One. He went off injured in the opening game of, of this season as well. So it's fair to say that, that things went against him, isn't it, Andy? Yeah, at, at times, sometimes self-inflicted, um, obviously. Um, that that chat we've had about Toto is the next one up on the on your podcast feeds, by the way. So if you once you're done with this, it will roll straight <laughs> over into 20 minutes of pure Toto chat, if that's if that's what you need. Um, but it started pretty well for him at Fleetwood. Do you see they they beat Rotherham one 0 at the weekend, and Mr. Nciala pops up with a 97th minute assist to uh, a long ball into the box and just the edge of the box and t- Toto gets up, big Toto heads heads across the box and Pilkington's able to put that in to get a win against Rotherham. So it started well. I think that's a, a move that he needed. It's a club that I think will really suit him. A bit of a, um, I don't know, they, they always fit, sit, seem like a bit of kind of an outlaw club to me. Like everyone's against us kind of vibe and it's us against the world. And I, I think Toto could really, really enjoy that. He, I, I think he could thrive. He knows Ellis Harrison up there already. Um, and I think I think I think we could well see Toto and Siala be the good League One centre half that we know he can be on his good days. Um, and I hope for his sake he's left some, you know, left some of the baggage that maybe he feels like he's accumulated at Ipswich and leave that in Suffolk and go on and have a decent career at, at this level of football. Yeah, I think he's he's someone. Whatever you thought about him as a player, I think as a, as a character, everyone will be wishing him well. And I think you're right, Andy Fleet was a really good fit for him. They've won four of their last six actually now, and they're uh, they're slowly climbing the table. Um, next weekend, he's back at the Valley, which was kind of <laughs> one of his one of his last appearances for Ipswich, where he had that that exchange with the angry fans towards the end. So um, maybe that that will be a, a metaphor for him, kind of drawing a line under everything at Ipswich and. And moving on, but Toto has gone. So, gentlemen, do Ipswich Town need a centre-half before the January transfer window closes? They have four as it stands. Danassian, Edmondson and Wolfenden, the starting three at the moment, with Cameron Burgess as the senior backup. Then beyond that, we're really looking into the, the under-23s and, and some youngsters. What, what did Kieran McKenna have to say about that post-match, Andy? Yeah, I asked him about that. Um and the answer was he's happy with the numbers, um, which, as you said, there is the the four. I think he, in terms of numbers, he's happy with that. But he went on to say that actually maybe maybe in terms of fit and style, 
that might be that might be something we look to do between now and the end of the window. It was all kind of laced with possibly's and maybe's, and uh, but I think reading reading between the lines and the way that he was talking, I think that's an area they they'll look at um, between now and uh, the end of this month. So when we're talking about qualities, um, we're talking about a ball playing centre half, aren't we? From what we've seen of of McKenna Ball thus far, someone comfortable on on the ball, Ross. Uh, you think they need one? Is there anyone you've got in mind for putting you on the spot? No, I'm probably the, <laughs> the last person to ask about a certain player. I'm not a, the man to know about scouting ball playing centre halves. Of course, Toto Anciala was definitely not that. Um, so that's probably why he's gone. Um, and other reasons, but um, it depends what sort of player is he going to be a loan player? Can we sign someone permanently? Um, now with Bolton going to be permanent player, of course, Larry Barry's gone. We can bring in that extra loan player now, um, but yeah, it depends what McKenna's got his eye on, really. But I think that's what we need just to strengthen the numbers in that defense. I don't want to jinx it, but you know, us injuries can happen, and it's still half a season to go so. It's always good to make sure we just get that one extra, maybe even two extra players in that defensive position because yeah. that is a, a key position we need to strengthen in. Yeah, I think Ipswich are going to be battling Sheffield Wednesday here for a centre-half because we, we talked about Ipswich being in the same market as Wigan back in the summer for everyone. Sheffield Wednesday are the team in League One looking for a centre-half at the moment because I think Shay Dunkley's out out injured at, at the moment. They've, they've been linked to... Uh, to several sort of players who are coming to the end of their contracts in the championship. There's people like uh, Aidan Flint, who's uh, you know, a goal-scoring centre-half as well. I talked about which having plenty of corners at, at the weekend. Haven't really scored enough from set-pieces for me. So maybe, maybe that's a quality they might look for in a centre-half. In terms of, sort of uh, ball-playing defenders, there's a, a young lad, Hayden Roberts at, at Brighton, who Sheffield Wednesday again have been linked to. He's only 19, but he's described as a a mobile ball-playing centre-half. He was on loan at Rochdale last season. can't remember if he played against uh, Ipswich or not, probably. I'll have to look, look back on that one. But um, there are players out there that will be available this month. It'll be interesting to see who Ipswich end up with at centre-half. Um, where, where else do we think? Are we still talking left side, do you think, for the, for the, for the sort of top priority this month? Yeah, I, I would say so. Um uh, Matt Penny didn't have his his best Ipswich game at the weekend, but he he's done okay in the other two. I've, I've, um, but uh, just for as long as Hayden Coulson's not available, and it's not sounding like he's particularly close to being available again. Um, I think that has to be that has to. You spoke about it earlier, Stu. It, it a bit of balance to, to balance out Wes Burns on the other side as much. Matt Penny's a left back. Wes, Pern, Wes Burns is a right winger. They're both being asked to play this similar wide role but they're coming at it from very different directions aren't they and uh, maybe you'd want somebody that's a bit more Wes Burnsy um, on that left side if you can be, if you can find one It's looking less and less likely for Hayden Coulson now isn't it 17th of January and we, we're talk, and still not talking about him being in, in squads at the moment I think um, you can't really be putting your eggs in, in that basket to hope that he suddenly get fit again and, and be the player that we, we hoped he, he would be you think that's looking likely that, that he may have that, that loan terminated, Ross? I think we need to cut our losses, really. Um, it's been a shame, but it's happened before. We've had loan players who have come in. They've done so well in the opening games. Like Josh Earl, when he signed, he, he got injured and got, he had to wear the face mask. There's been so many different players like that. And sometimes you've got your cut losses now and look and try to sign another left-sided player. But yeah, as you said, it's 17th for January right now. And he's been out for a very long time since the Wickham game. And yeah, I think it's time to move on and look for the next player. I think Hayden Colson might actually be one of the most costly players in terms of Paul Cook's demise. Because mm. everything about Paul Cook was based around these dynamic fullbacks who can get up and down and, and contribute to the attack. And and Hayden Colson clearly was the, the man who had been charged with doing that, along with Kane Vincent Young on, on the right. And neither of them were were able to maintain it fitness-wise or consistency-wise, were they? So we'll see where they go in, in the left-back direction or the left-sided direction before the end of the month. Kyle Edwards has been a bit of a notable absentee for a little while now. You wonder whether he could he could play that sort of Matt Penny 
role at some stage, but he wasn't amongst the 18 at the weekend. Haven't seen him for a while. Obviously, he had COVID that um, should be, you know, should be clear and back back from that now. Um, what about departures then? Further departures? Anyone else that could follow Toto Enciala out the door that might just free up a bit of squad space or, or finances? There's a few others in the same boat as him in terms of being out of contract with no extension option at the end of the season. Thomas Holy, you would imagine, is is in danger if Christian Walton is, is staying now. John Nolan, who we've not seen for a long, long time with injuries, he's the same. Caden Jackson as well, who's obviously been on the fringes and been a little bit involved since McKenna arrived. Those three, any others? Well, I think I think that's the list. I think... I think um... You could maybe look for loans for people like Idris El Mazzini. He seems a a fair way off it. We've not seen him in McKenna squads. Raheem Harper's an interesting one. What what happens with him here? We've not seen him in squads similar boat to Edwards in having COVID. Um, but yeah, I think I think those players that you've mentioned um, that are coming towards the end of their contracts. I think Ho- Holy Holy is one that I would hope would actually be pushing to move on himself rather than kind of actually being in danger of, of told he's he's leaving. He's third choice goalkeeper. What, 28 he must be now, 29. Similar boat to Christian Walton. He'll need to play. Um, I think it's maybe some bad maybe some bad timing for Holy there with that the Walton thing wasn't done a little earlier because there's been a bit of a League One goalkeeper shuffle over the last week with Gillingham and MK Dons both bringing in new new goalkeepers. Um, maybe Gillingham could have been a place for Holy, but they've 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 signed Pontus Dahlberg from Watford. So um, where he ends up, I I don't know, but he he should be playing games. He'll want to play games. He's been a regular starter for in English football for five years or so. So. He should be wanting that. Same with Caden Jackson. He he needs to play a lot more than he is. Whether Town are willing to let him go without bringing in another striker, I don't know. He was on the bench just a week ago. Um, so, who knows? Who knows? I think Caden Jackson is one that probably, I think I've said this before on the podcast, is one that McKenna's probably referred to in terms of players that we're happy with, but would be willing to have that conversation about what's best for them. I, in an ideal world, they probably want to keep him around for, for numbers, really, because Ipswich have been very fortunate, probably through their own sort of strong protocols, not to be hit by COVID in the way that other clubs have. But it could come to them at some stage and and the uh, the squad depth could be quite useful um, if the games start to come thick and fast and there are rearrangements sort of further, further down the line. But if, if you resign to losing him for nothing in the summer anyway... Maybe he's one that you you let him move on and, and then you go to the loan market and you, you get some sort of temporary cover and, and look at it again. The others, I guess, would be people like Scott Fraser and Rakeem, Rakeem Harper that are really sort of not making 18s at the moment, really on the fringes. Of the 19 signings Paul Cook made, there was always going to be one or two that, you know, six months, a year down the line, you're thinking this just has, just hasn't worked out there. Those are probably the two in in that bracket as it stands. Of course, things can change very quickly in football, but I'm not, I'm not convinced January is the time to be to be thinking about that. They may be maybe situations that are revisited in the in the summer. Do you agree? Yeah, I would agree. I, I'd I'd also depending on how the defense kind of shakes out and who gets brought in. I'd. I, I would wonder about Cameron Burgess at some point further further down the line. Um, I don't want to write him off right now, but he's not necessarily one that fits the... He's noticeably different in his approach and his, his attributes to the three that are starting games there at the moment. And you'd imagine from the one that they would they would look to bring in. So may, maybe, certainly not now, but maybe down the line, he might be one that's... Um, that we're talking about when we have this conversation in six months. Another little bit of transfer news that we should we should probably dot the I's and cross the T's with is a former Ipswich player getting himself a club, Mr. Emmy Hughes. No, Which club? No, Which no club? prizes for guessing where he's ended up. He's uh, he's joined the army of ex-Ipswich players just down the A12 at Colchester United. He's signed a short-term deal to the end of the season. Would you believe Emir Hughes is still only 28 years of age? Um, you know, should still have a lot of football left in him, especially as he hasn't played a great deal of it. 
for a, for a man at this stage in his career. I had a little look at his uh, his stats earlier. He's only made 102 league starts in his career, which is um, not a lot for someone who's 28 years of age. He made 20 league starts over four years at Ipswich Town Football Club. His last competitive game was in that 3-2 home loss to Swindon in January last year. So over a year ago since he's he's made a competitive appearance. Um, what do you think? Has Emir Hughes got a, a renaissance in him? I, I guess we all, we all hope he, he can just get, keep himself fit and, and play, don't we? He's another one that, like Toto, he's another one I was always kind of pulling for. But with, with Emir, it was... It was brilliant to see him get fit and play regularly for Ipswich, which he managed to do. But he never, you never felt like the Emir Hughes that we all hoped he would be. The box to box Emir Hughes wasn't wasn't there, was he? Didn't have the bite. He didn't not consistently enough anyway. Didn't didn't put it all together enough to, to kind of convince you that the same Emir Hughes that impressed so much on loan was. Um, was back, um, but uh, he's been out. Like you say, he hasn't played a game of football for a year. It's uh, it's going to take a job to get fit to play, and he's in a tough situation as well because they're in very real trouble at the bottom end of League Two. It's looking pretty bleak for for yeah, Colchester they, at the they moment. They lost two 0 at home to to Barrow on Saturday. I think they're now three points ab- above the drop zone after five straight defeats. Um, Luke Chambers is eight hundred games. In uh, English football now, um, whatever again, whatever you think of Luke Chambers, that that deserves a serious doff of the cap because that's a pretty exclusive club for players, uh, certainly non-goalkeepers, to to reach that number of appearances. That's eighteen seasons of rattling out 44, 45, 46 games a year. That's um, that's some achievement. So well done to to Luke Chambers. Give that the respect. It deserves Scoos, Judge and Sears all started at the weekend. And Emma Hughes was joined on the bench by Gherkin, Tommy Smith, Tom Eastman and Frank Newble in terms of ex-Ipswich hmm. players. Um, Barrow with the team that beat them, as I mentioned. They're 19th in League Two. Another little reminder of why we're all feeling so gloomy after that defeat to Barrow. Oldham bottom, who Ipswich obviously made really hard work of beating as well. So... A um, little bit of League Two chat there for you as a bonus. Um, <laughs> you don't get that with Mark Heath. You don't. Thanks, mate. Yeah, uh, we'll probably do another one of these later in, in the week if we can be bothered. If not, we'll see. Um, <laughs> <laughs> don't get that with Mark Heath either. Look, you, yeah. you don't. You don't. Um, but just briefly, I'll have a look at the, the fixtures. We'll probably talk about this in, in a bit more depth coming up, but Ipswich at home to Accrington on Saturday and then away trips to, to Wimbledon midweek where a lot of Ipswich fans will be really excited to go for the first time, the new stadium uh, at Plough Lane and then Sheffield Wednesday away. So you talked about trying to get two wins out of three game blocks. Is What do you reckon, Ross? Is there two wins in those three games? Bloody hope so. If not, um, then yeah, the season is definitely dead and over. Um Aquaton will need to revenge, of course, when we lost up there at the Wham Stadium. Um, Wimbledon, you know, new ground for a lot of town fans, as you said. Um, it's going to be a, a great night there. And then, yeah, Sheffield Wednesday, one of the teams, the Nava big dogs in League One. So, potential there to hopefully get six points out of nine, but I don't know, well, hopefully nine out of nine. Yeah, you look at it and if you're talking six points out of nine, you're looking at the Accrington and the Wimbledon games, aren't you? But the game they really need to win is the Sheffield Wednesday one because they're what they're the team that's that's in the path, in the path between Ipswich and the playoffs. Like they have to they have to beat these teams as well. They can't just take the take the the um take the points from ones that you would in theory call the easier games. They're anything but that. We've seen that. We've seen them get thumped at Wimbledon in the in in twenty twenty one. We've seen them get. We know all about Accrington. We don't need to go to that any further. But they have to beat. They have to go and win games at Hillsborough and win the reverse game with Plymouth when when Plymouth come to Portman Road and and, and things like that because that's that's how they're going to close this gap if they're going to do it because it's it's no good giving Sheffield Wednesday a chance to, to pull another three away from Ipswich. Um, there's no time for that. You're on mute, Stu. Oh no! You're on, you're on mute, Stu. So well. Don't get that from Mark Heath either. I'm back. I'm back. I'm off mute. I said if we're looking for omens, 
Then uh, I mentioned earlier on uh, that Ipswich obviously won those those two games. And then they lost at Plymouth. Uh, after that, they went and won 4-1 at Wickham and got right back on, on the horse. So uh, hopefully we get a similar reaction this time around from Ipswich. And, and another positive omen is Ipswich, like we know now, playing the direct physical sides. No bother. No bother under, <laughs> under McKenna. And now we've got Accrington and Wimbledon who were probably both falling in that category as well. So maybe these are the sort of opposition that Ipswich are suited to playing now, and that will set up the Sheffield Wednesday game quite nicely. We we shall see. But um, we'll talk about the, the games ahead in greater depth uh, later in the week, gentlemen. But um, thanks for thanks for having me as your host. We'll get the uh, the the far more professional Mark Heath back in back in the chair soon. But um, any other business? I never get to say that. Any other business? Can you thank our sponsors, Manscaped, please? No, that's your job. Thank our sponsors, Man- Manscaped, for their for their twenty percent off code using KOA at manscaped.com. Do it. Not interested. Uh, manscaped.com. <laughs> Go and use it if you want. KOA at the checkout, you get some sort of discount. So I'm told. <laughs> oh, they're going to drop us now, and it's going to be all your fault because they listen to these every week. The uh, the big no, dogs at Manscaped. They do. They listen to it just to check how we're using their promos and you've you've gone and ruined it for everyone. Ross, any other business? I just hope you had a good birthday weekend. I had you can probably tell I had a good birthday weekend. Yeah. I just uh, just nice and refreshed and just uh, didn't have to travel up and down the country. I'm sure some trips to Morecambe and Fleetwood in, in the coming dark winter months will, will bring me back down to earth again. But uh for now, I'm feeling good. See you later. From true crime to football, Brexit to Pokeball, more great podcasts from Archon, head to audioboom.com slash channel slash Archon.